to Raunchy Power Hour, a book club for discussing romance from the erotic to the erroneous. As always, this is an explicit podcast and contains strong language, adult themes, and sexual content. If you are sensitive to these things, we urge you calmly but sincerely to turn off your radio now. This month, we are reading Barbarian Alien by Ruby Dixon. This is part one of Barbarian Alien. This podcast will contain spoilers through chapter three or part three. If you want to read along with us, stop listening now. It's okay. We'll wait for you to come back. This book contains themes of dubious consent, grief and loss, kidnapping, and the mention of rape. You have been warned. I'm your producer, Ashlyn. I'm your host, Sydney. And I am your anatomically convenient spur that is located right above your alien boyfriend's large hunking penis. (laughs) Now get ready to get raunchy. Hey, Lauren. I have a question to ask you. A question? What is it? Yes. What has been your favorite memory from the past year of the Raunchy Power Hour podcast? Hmm. (laughs) Uh, My favorite thing... Honestly, I think it was the day we found out we got blocked by E.L. James. I think that was the highlight of my podcasting career so far. What about you, Lauren? What has been your favorite memory from the past year of Raunchy Power Hour? That was a really good choice. Um, as, a, as an aside, we are really hitting a full circle moment with this episode uh, because when we found out we were blocked by none other than E.L. James herself, I was in the parking lot of a auto body shop getting my car repaired. And today I brought my car to that same auto body shop because my life is falling apart. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're really living life here. I think my favorite memory is when I got the drunkest I have been since leaving undergrad when we read the <laughs> My Immortal fan fiction and just loose lips, you know, saying things that will probably haunt me on job applications and grad school applications down the road. But it was a good time. Oh, yeah. YOLO, as the kids <laughs> yep. say. And things live on the internet forever, so I'm glad to know that this is my legacy. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a have a follow-up question, if you will humor me. Oh, a follow-up question. I'm excited. Yes. Among your favorite memories and, and fondest moments from this past year that we've been recording partners, did you ever think we would return to the inhospitable land of Nothoff? I'll be honest, I had a sneaking suspicion since, you know, this is a series and I was like I feel like we can't just read the first one I feel like we have to continue and know what happens to these characters and I'm I'm honestly kind of glad we did return to it um, I'm not happy about the planet still being called Not Hoth, but whatever <laughs> You know, I feel the same Did y'all have to, like, drag me kicking and screaming to read the second? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we that's did. all we did. the bridge. But, you know, I, I, I think we've we've changed as people. You know, I, I'd like to think we have we have blossomed. I'd like to think we we you know, we really upped our game here. And maybe that oh, factors yeah. into the the quality of 
enjoyment we got from this this book. W- would you agree? I would 100% agree because on top of it too, we actually don't feel scared to say the word dick on our podcast. <laughs> Do you remember some of the substitute words we would use for like sex and, and penis? Um, Ashlyn does. <laughs> yes, Ashlyn, please. Please help me out, because I think that whole episode was a blur. Oh, let's see. Pull out my little transcript here. Did we say do the nasty at any point? That feels vaguely familiar. (laughs) I'm... We said a lot of things. Sydney, did you know that you referenced Mothman's ass in the first minute and a half of our first podcast episode ever? You know what? I didn't, but it just bodes well for how much I love Mothman and for the the book I made you guys read later in that year. <laughs> yeah, we call that foreshadowing, homies. That's that was some prime time foreshadowing. Very, very much so. <laughs> We're very afraid to say the word porn, apparently. We use the word erotica a lot. (laughs) And now I feel like we barely say the word erotica. We just go smut, porn. Yeah, smut, porn, Uh, dick and balls, balls. vagina, pundini. Pundini is my favorite word to describe a vagina, and I don't know why. And I I can't explain it. (laughs) I will say... Um, mm-hmm. From what I've heard from some of our listeners, our reoccurring listeners, um, for recommended podcasts that they get due to listening to ours, they get a, just a lot of just regular sex like advice podcasts. Oh, <laughs> like in the in their and recommended this, feed. Since you listen to the RPH podcast, maybe you really suck at sex podcast. and have bad examples of it. <laughs> Sorry, mom, for ruining your Spotify feed. <laughs> Is it your mom that said that? In our first two episodes, how many times do you think we use the word dick? One. I'll be optimistic. I'll say three. Twice. Damn! <laughs> and let me guess, it was prefaced with a, um, God, God fine, I'll just, I'll just say it. Yeah, probably. (laughs) They're like blushing virgins. Oh my god, is that a Venus? (laughs) 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 Oh my god. Well, Lauren, I just want to say it's been a great year of recording this with you, and I honestly kind of can't believe that we've kept this up. Um, in a way of like, I just, I, I've always wanted to kind of like do something like this, I guess. And I'm really glad I'm doing it with two of my best friends. And it's just, it's been a lot of fun. And I'm glad to share that with you guys. And now we're able to share it with our listeners. That's a lot more wholesome than this like awful cesspool of a podcast deserves but i appreciate it 
<laughs> I mean, we get to talk about romance. We get to talk about the things we love. We hate from the erotic yeah. to the erroneous. Um, and I mean, a lot of people do talk about erotica in books and talk about romance in general, but I feel like, I mean, I won't say we reinvented the wheel or anything, but I like that we go and explore whatever our heart's content is and just share it with the world and be like, yep, we look stupid doing this, but we're having fun. So why not? I think as, as people that did not really read erotica or, or smut prior to this podcast, I I also like want to commend us, you know, patting myself on the back as well of just taking this leap of faith and and delving into something that is probably not very conventional like conventionally excuse me or socially like accepted to talk about on a platform like this and again like you said very well phrased we're not reinventing the wheel we recognize there are a whole bunch of other like corners of the internet and podcasts included that probably touch on erotica and smut but i think especially from our backgrounds and and the level and the degree to which we have grown since we have started this in the past year really, I think, speaks volumes. And it has become so, so much fun. And I, I've really enjoyed it. And while I can't honestly say that I love the erotica genre and would pick it up in my spare time, I do find enjoyment through it because of this podcast and because I get to hang out with you, too. So I appreciate you as well. Aww. Do you want to go talk about Blue Alien Sticks now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. One last question for you, though. What, oh, obviously okay, within the parameters, me. obviously within the parameters of what you're comfortable sharing on this podcast, how have you changed in the past year since we last recorded an Ice Planet Barbarians book? Anything you care to share? I mean, I've just become more comfortable. Um expressing how I feel I'm not as scared to say something stupid or dumb that will last on the internet forever like I'm still cautious because I never want to like accidentally offend people or um make fun of someone and them hurt by my comments but I've just become more comfortable talking about the romance genre and erotica in general and it's just been a lot of fun and I I've been able to like express myself more through like doing all of our silly social media posts and all of that. So I think that's really what has changed for me as your co-host on Raunchy Power Hour. But what about you in the last year? What do you think you have how you have changed? Hmm. I thought, honestly, like, obviously I knew you were going to ask me that same question. I was not as prepared as I thought I was. I think, I think by and large, I started this podcast in a not very great mental health spot. Not to say that I was like the lowest I'd ever been, but going through both a lot of internal and external struggles that were occurring at the beginning of last year. And Having this podcast initially start off as being just like an occasional refuge that I got, an excuse to hang out with friends, eventually turned into something once, you know, both my internal and external circumstances improved, that I really felt as a means of not only self-expression, but as an outlet for like, 
I think just really exploring and hamming up that part of myself that I've always kept hidden for so long. Not to say that mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, Hannah Montana, slutty, <laughs> mon- slutty, you know, whatever my alter ego is. But like, I think, I think I was always the kid that read lemons and lime fan fiction. You know, I always, you know, participated in a lot of horrendous and probably shameful fandom cultures all my life. And it was something that I've, I've kept hidden and didn't really talk about. And then of course the pandemic hit and things changed. And I was like, oh, fuck it. You know, we're a little more open, but I think this podcast in particular has opened those doors for me to be a little bit more of myself, maybe too much at times, I would argue, (laughs) but it's, it's been an experience with authenticity that I really enjoy and will probably regret one day, but for now I'm really grateful for. Look at us being sappy. So cute, so sweet. So wholesome. Unlike the holes that were filled in not (laughs) wholesome. Yeah, yeah. Oh boy. Well, well, listeners, welcome back to the second book in the Ice Planet Barbarian series Barbarian Alien by Ruby Dixon. Yay! Woo! We're back, we're back. Um, This is also our first sequel to a book we've read, so that's kind of cool. And here is your general info for everyone. Um, So, we kind of went over most of the basics in Ice Planet Barbarian 1, but you don't have to go listen to our first episode. We know it's not great (laughs) audio-wise. Um. But originally, the book series went viral in 2021 due to TikTok, uh, and that was when all of these books uh, became popular and everyone started reading them again. However, Barbarian Alien was originally published in 2015 um, alongside Ice Planet Barbarian. On Goodreads, it has an average rating of 3.77 out of 72,666. Um, reviews and on Storygraph it has an average rating of 3.55 out of 14,446 reviews so some more backup information that you need for Ice for Barbarian Alien is that the new version release which is what uh, we all read um, was released in 2021 Um, and interesting enough the the original series also was completed in 2021 because yes there are two other series with this with these books i just found that out and i i i'm just gonna put it out here now no boundaries (laughs) will not be crossed i'm not reading those series but but more apparently they're like beach episodes what what does that mean? Apparently, there's a a beach <laughs> somewhere on Nonhoff. I don't know. It's called something. I don't remember. Anyway. You mean to tell me there's an anime style beach episode with spurs and blue men and women that run around being like penis cooey? I mean, I don't know because I haven't read them, but. <laughs> 
and maybe something I epic later. Mark my words, <laughs> listeners. If you ever hear us reviewing that book in the podcast, know that it was against my will and that cruel and unusual punishment <laughs> has been enacted to get me there. I rest my case. It'll be my big favor I ask of you. Anyway, in June, <laughs> on June 13th of 2021, Ice Planet Barbarian was the fifth most sold book on Amazon. And... Barbarian Alien was 11th. So I just found that interesting just to note, be like, oh yeah, on Amazon on June 13th, 2021. That's when those books were at the highest. And apparently a bunch of booksellers were ramping up and like demanding more books because they were being sold out so quickly. Actually, that, that, Makes me curious, Ashlyn. Do you can you look up what year like the Fifty Shades of Grey movies were coming out? Because I'm curious of like that if that lines up at all with that timeline of like resurgence of and popularization of smut. The first movie came out in 2015, followed by the second in 2017, and the third in 2018. Ah. <gasps> Universe crossovers. (laughs) (laughs) Are the timelines converging? (laughs) No! No, please! Um, (laughs) And now we've got um, our character list. Uh, We've got Liv, who is, uh, can be described as sassy, stubborn, and southern. Um, We've got Rahosh, which is also stubborn, softy, Yep, that's all I got for him. He doesn't get three. He only gets two. <laughs> uh, uh, then we've got Georgie, who is, as many of you know, the was the main female love interest in the first Ice Planet Barbarian book. Um, and then we have Bechtel, who is her mate uh, and was the main love interest from the first first book. Um, also, I wrote here, Georgie, uh, leader, question mark. I don't know why. And then for Bechtel, I went, leader, makes sense. <laughs> true, true. Like, Georgie does not make sense, but whatever. Um, and then we have Ihako. Ihako? Yeah, that's how I've been saying it. Yeah. Okay. And we have Hayden. <laughs> Which I thought that was funny that a barbarian was named Aiden. Um, <laughs> Saw dude, I'm young. from Alpha Kappa Spur. My name is Aiden. <laughs> Saw dude, I'm I'm from, from Sakui, and like, do you want to rush? <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you want to half light? Fucking sick. <laughs> <laughs> um. But they're both young, unmated uh, Sakui men. Uh, and honestly, I didn't write down anybody else's name except for Kira. <laughs> and if listeners remember, Kira is also is also from the first book. All of the women are referenced in the first book except the six new ladies who come in. Um, but Kira is the one who had the earpiece and could understand the the green men, the little green men. Oh, yeah, the Marvin the Martians that abducted these women. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's really all the characters you need to know. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of women and there are a lot of names thrown around that we just aren't going to mention. 
Um, but we already went over trigger warnings in the introduction to the podcast. Um, but hey, everyone, I've got another tab index because I annotated my book. Um, so for the first one, we do just have general trigger warning, like things I thought would be triggering to some people. Um, we have one tab, which was added, which is sexy. Like, la la, that was very well done. Um, mm-hmm. We have random space racism, <laughs> um, <laughs> unneeded, <laughs> unneeded Star Wars reference. Um, uh-huh. A moment where I, where I laughed out loud, like something was like, okay, that was actually funny. Um, but then we have the LOL eye roll moment, which was not meant to be funny, but I thought it was funny because of s- some way it was written. And then we have the, aw, that was kind of cute. <laughs> okay. So by and large, it sounds like your your tabs this time around are like skewed towards the positive. They are, they are, but I won't reveal later what my rating is. Hmm. Secrecy. Ooh, a secret. I have a secret. Ooh. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that, are we ready to jump into chapter one? Let's fucking do it. Oh, I. There's, I'm ready to actually be able to talk about this book series and say penis and vagina. You know? I'm so excited to be able to say All right. Well, going into chapter one, we open with Liz's POV. Um, so I will say this before we begin. I had to go back and reread all of part one. <laughs> but, um, when I first started reading it, because I started reading it just like, you know, get a get a feel for the tabs. Um, but I accidentally read too far and I forgot to take notes. So I just want to point that out before we even jump in. <laughs> hey, you already do better than me. The It's almost like a 50-50 coin toss of like whether I take notes at all. So yeah. good job. <laughs> and this time around, you didn't. You're just leaning on Ashland's. <laughs> Hey, blame Ruby Dixon. She got me hot and bothered in the sheets, and I didn't feel like picking up a pen. Okay. <laughs> hey yo. Hey ho. Um. So, yeah, it opens up with Liz's POV, uh, and it's rescue mission time. We are trying to get out the six other ladies who have been in the pods this entire time. Um, and so. Liz, Georgie, Kira, and one other girl is trying to get them out, and they're able to open them. The girls wake up. They're obviously freaking out. And this gives uh, Ruby Dixon, I mean, Liz, a great reason to recap the first book for us. (laughs) Um, And so we get, like, a quick recap of, like, aliens came in and took these ladies. They're all the same age. uh, All of that stuff. Which, honestly, I needed because I didn't even remember. Uh, But Liz is really cranky and isn't feeling too good. Um, Pretty, uh, And then we get the introduction to Rahosh. Rahosh? I'm going to NEC Rahosh. I'm trying better. Uh, But he comes over and Liz is grumpy because Rahosh has decided that he is her mate. He has resonated for her. And... She's not happy about it. So she's cranky and he tries to feed her and all of that. And 
when Liz is still explaining other things to the other girls, Liv basically says that he's grumpy slash kind of ugly and how she doesn't want to be like his property, which fair enough. I get it. Um, I will say I still had, I had one major issue with this first part of part one and, uh, trigger warning for mentions of rape here. It, I don't like that it's still included in the book. This is like my one gripe with this series is that I really don't like that inclusion. Um, because apparently there was a whole scene uh, in the first book that was completely edited out with the first book when it was republished. And I just don't know why it's still included. That's just me personally. Wait, I'm trying to recall... Did we discuss this in the first episode? Because I have no recollection of this. Um, we did. I believe. Ashlyn is checking our transcripts. Ashlyn to the rescue. Either way, I have zero recollection of this. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um. Well, the scene was removed, but there was like mentions of it like it kept getting brought up and like said that's what the gray guys kept doing okay so was it like a like a written out description of what occurred i guess that way was removed i don't know um because obviously i'm not i don't want to go searching for the scene and read it um Mm -hmm. but i just don't understand why this plot point is still like kind of a part of the series if we're already taking out another scene which we feel is like too much i'm like just take it out altogether personally that's just me because i like i understand that there's a whole genre for like dark romance and other darker themes um i just don't feel like a fiction a fantasy book about blue aliens on a distant planet needs to include sexual assault i believe i said that in the first episode too but that's like that's me i won't get on my high horse for too long on this one i just wanted to um bring that up uh i mean i may i may briefly respond only in the sense that like i'm very public about this and like it doesn't Mm -hmm. bother me to to bring it up you broke up oh did it not did not pick up yeah whoopsie daisy my microphone came untwisty wisty um I need to listen. If we if we stick with this podcast for another year, I'm going to invest in a better microphone. This is ridiculous. Um, but I was gonna say that uh I will respond in the sense that like as a survivor myself, and I'm very public and comfortable speaking on that. I think I brought it up in the last episode or last ice planet barbarians episode as well. It was interesting reading it from that perspective because and I obviously do not want to speak for anyone else in a similar position as I am, but for me, I wasn't bothered by it and maybe just like at the stage of like where I'm at in terms of like how I have dealt with things and like how I've healed and gone down that journey for myself I will say I was more bothered by it in the first book because I think there was a much Mm -hmm. bigger like dwelling on it and it felt like it was more present tense in real time and I think that was an issue for me the way it was talked about in barbarian alien i was a little more comfortable with of like it felt like an off like i mean it was an off scene 
thing. It's like a, a mention from the last book. I, I would mm-hmm. always say, though, obviously, like, just between us, our feelings differ. I would always put a, like, warning sign almost to anyone that wants Ooh. to pick up this book series just to be knowledgeable going in that these mentions are there and that it's okay like and just to just know sort of like your own bandwidth for handling those things and what you would like to read because i think there's so much validity in that being bothersome um to people but i am glad to say that it did not it did not bother me too much which is good okay we slay we stay okay good yeah i just whenever i pick up a romance book especially like if it's erotica like this I want some escapism. So I think that's why it kind of bothered me. I'm like, I don't want to, this is uh, like, I'm trying to escape. I'm not trying to think about the horrific horrific actions. Yeah. Oh, for Um, sure. But yeah, uh, that's kind of all I had to say. That was like my only kind of big gripe that I had um, with that first part. Um. I will say, because uh, they mentioned a girl named Tiffany, who's apparently just, like, really not doing good. Um, and I just heard Rip Tiff, LOL. <laughs> Rip, Rip Tiff. Tiffany. Don't know. Don't know what happened. Anyway, now we are going into Rahash's uh, point of view. Wait. Um, I'm so sorry. Can I bring up a gripe that I had with the first chapter? <laughs> Yes, yes. Can I can I actually bitch and moan for five seconds? (laughs) I do you want to bitch and moan? Go ahead, girl. I would love to bitch and moan. I would love to. I so this is going to be without spoiling my eventual rating. The reason why this book did not rank as high for me as I wanted it to, because I have on and off very hot and cold frustrations with Liz's character portrayal and in certain chapters it's fine it's a lot more palatable in others especially this very first introduction I was already bracing myself for a oh you're just gonna be unnecessarily mean and and gripey because that's how we show independence and strength in women because there's no nuance of being nice and strong you know what I mean and it was during the scene where she's sitting around and like explaining to the girls that are coming out of the pod, like what happened to them, but she's explaining it in such a like suck it up, get over it kind of way that felt so unnecessary and was only like partially justified in the sense of like, well, they didn't have to endure the things that we endured because they were unconscious this whole time. And I was like, I get it. But like, you can you can harbor those feelings not being a dick. Like I don't know. But that yeah, was just my only yeah. gripe. It was a it was a hard introduction for me to to read not having any strong recollection of her character from a year ago. If that makes sense. Like if I feel like you read Ice Planet Barbarians and then read this immediately after, it wouldn't be so bad. I mean, I remember her being very crass and very like to the point in the first book as well. Because remember when? Because I remember when Georgie came in and she was just like, "Hi, we got abducted." See, so yeah. <laughs> God, I just I think Kira is probably the most interesting character that resonates the most with me because I think Georgie is a damp paper towel. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Ruby <laughs> Dixon. She is a she's a bounty quilted towel. 
And yeah, yeah. 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 No, she's she's one ply. That's it. She's one <laughs> ply. Paper she towel. is she is the hotel bathroom refills of toilet paper that you request when you run out and it's like literally sandpaper on your butthole. And <laughs> oh my God. that's what it is. <laughs> Love that for you. Yeah, I can agree because Georgie, Georgie literally gave us nothing. No personality, no background, <laughs> nothing. It's um, giving and then Liz, nothing. It's giving nothing. But with Liz, at least we get... I did write down in the next, I think, chapter three. I was like, oh, I kind of like Liz. Um, but it's only because I think because she actually has a character and she's not George. Why? I hard agree with that. Because <laughs> like like I said, in certain chapters, I was very much like, ugh. You know, I kind of got the ick. But in other chapters, yeah. I was like, wow, refreshing. She has thoughts and opinions mm-hmm. and jokes okay, that no. rarely land. But... <laughs> But you know what? Um, honestly, I was kind of the same. And I think I realized why. Um, and it's because there's some inconsistency in her characterization where she is very strong-willed and, like, very stubborn at times. And then she's just very forgiving and, like, moves forward yes. very quickly. Yes. Um, I picked up on the same thing. And I think we both hate it because it's like, Georgie. <laughs> <laughs> Not again. Not again. No! No! Yeah. <laughs> Having wartime flashbacks. Uh, anyway, chapter two. <laughs> We're in Roche's uh, POV, and so he has resonated with Liz. Um, I didn't know that they were able to hide it, because he's like, keeps saying he's mm-hmm. hiding it um, from the others, and I was like, okay, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> so Rahash... He wants to like help Liz, but he he got uh, the English. He got the Google Translator ship thing, and he can mm-hmm. understand English. Um, if you don't remember that from the first book, there is a random spaceship that <laughs> went, that landed on the planet, and then that is how they fixed their language barrier. Is they got it, Google translated. It's <laughs> it's a weird plot convenience thing, but you know, we you know, digress. It's there. Yeah, um, but he can understand Liv, and she doesn't know that he can understand him, so he's, like, kind of hurt by her comments, and he says something along the lines of, like, well, if she hates me, like, it's fine, we're mates, like, it's just gonna happen, because I resonated for her, and she's gonna resonate for me. Um, I will say what gave me the ick in this chapter was he mentioned that A a Hako, a Hako. I'm trying. I'm so hard. I'm never gonna be able to get these AE names down. No, um, I think you're good. Uh, when Rahosh mentioned that he hadn't resonated with anyone, and he may resonate with like an unborn child or like one of the children back at their cave system, it gave me the ick so hard. <laughs> I was like, ooh. I forgot about that. Whoops. Yeah. Yeah. He gave me the ick real hard. I was like, ooh, that's good. Jacob from Twilight <laughs> Who? Yeah, I know, right? Renesme. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and 
So Rahosh wants to help Liv, but she is stubborn. She keeps like hitting him and is like, no, put me down. I, I want to be my own woman. Um, but Vectal kind of tells Rahosh to let Liv do their own thing. And like, that's just what humans do. And Vectal's like, fine. I just, I want to help her, but she like, won't let me. And he's like, you just got to, Vectal's like, you just got to be delicate. Anyway, chapter three. Uh, this is, it's cooey time. So now it's time for all the ladies to get their symbiote or as Liv Liz. Oh my I God. Yeah. Down, I accidentally wrote down Liv, like Liz as Liv throughout this entire book, apparently. So please forgive me if I keep accidentally it's mentioning okay. Liv. Um, but yeah, it's cooey time. And if I got so sick of the cootie thing, I kept putting down. I did too. Every single time Liz said it. She never once said, because she she ends up like in her internal monologue calling it cooey, like K-H-U-I, but never out loud does she ever say cooey. She insists on calling it a cootie. And I'm like, at this point, it's deliberate. Like, just, yeah, I don't know. Space racism. Space racism. I, I, <laughs> I will scream it from the clouds. It is space racism. Um. And so it is cooey time. And so they catch one of the animals that carries the cooey. And so they're kind of like going through that process. Liv, Liz isn't grossed out by the actual killing of the animal. She's grossed out by the cooey like going into the body because uh, she sees Georgie do it. Um, and she's like, fuck that. And she wants to run. So she does. Um, so Rahosh like catches up to her and she's like weak. And she's like, well, maybe he's just like wanted me to stop. So he like tells her to stop and like sit down. And she does. And then he comes up and he kind of forces the cooey onto her. Um, and she says she'll like hate him for forever. Um, but I will say, this is also the mention where we get the AT-AT reference. Um, I told mm-hmm. this to Ashlyn and Lauren off, off air. Um, but I but I did write down, does every girl in the series need to like Star Wars? Like, damn. <laughs> Swear. I'm like, listen, hot girls cannot have watched or liked Star Wars 2. Okay? Okay? Yeah. Me screaming from the rooftops, I- like, in defense of myself. <laughs> Like, I understand the author loves Star Wars. I get it. I do. There's too many Star Wars references, and not every girl in the series can like it. Like, oh my god. Like, I didn't know what an AT-AT was until I looked it up, and I was like, oh, right. I think <laughs> the, the do- first... It's the, it's the dog-looking robot thing. <laughs> For me, like, the from, at least from what I remember, the fever dream that was Ice Planet Barbarian... I think the first book was way worse about it. So I will I will give this one a pass. But, you know, still not pleased (laughs) with the frequency of references. Yeah, I'm still going to put my foot down about not Hoff. I know they gave they gave a name to the sickness that the women get or the (laughs) Sakui get if they don't get a Kui. But they can't give the planet just a proper name instead of not Hoth. Like, oh my god. <laughs> if I'm if I'm blinking, but have they actually ever asked the Sakui people like what they called this planet? Was that ever discussed in Ice uh, or IPB? Not that I know. Of. Not that I know. Does, of. That crazy that they never asked that. Crazy. Yeah. 
Uh, anyway, Liv passes out, and then we go over to the next chapter with Raho with Rahash. Uh, so he decides. So she. Um, oh, we do have a name. Ashlyn <gasps> has found it on the fan wiki, and it oh is called Copen Seven. Copain, Copain. Maybe it's I can't French. Read. Maybe it's Compain. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nope. It was the fact that I couldn't read the Roman numerals because, yep. American uh, education, you failed me. Did, anyway, next did chapter. They learn that? Um, <laughs> oh, sorry. I was, I was about to go get into the weeds of this. Did they, did they learn this from the translator that they find, like on the ancestorship? No. No. I think <laughs> um, the fans just probably named it. Maybe it comes yeah, up knows? in book, okay. I don't know, like 705 when they're chilling on the beach and they're like, by the way, Maybe. this planet. <laughs> Ashlyn is looking. Anyway. Um, so Rahash decides, uh, because Liv is passed out and he knows that she, he thinks that she will tell everybody that he forced her to get us a, uh, a Kui and that she hates him and like all this stuff that he that they will not be uh mates so he decides to kidnap her and take her to a cave that is literally like his own like no one else goes there because he found it um on his own um i did did write down that rahosh kind of sounds like a um an incel at this point because he mentions how he's never had a lover he's never had a mate he doesn't really have friends and i was like Ooh, buddy you are not setting yourself up you're good for good approval he, he redeems himself he redeems himself he's just a virgin guys don't worry he's not an incel <laughs> ah yes i remember my ye youth days when i would kidnap women to my my storage and look at them and admire them from afar in hopes that they would breed with me. Ah, uh, yes, I yeah. too relate. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he also has daddy issues, apparently, uh, which gets brought up for the first time. We're like, oh, Lay. I didn't have daddy issues in space. I um, love a man with daddy issues. Is that controversial? <laughs> <laughs> um, See, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry i was about to go on a tirade i think men with mommy was, issues weird weird to me i don't know it's getting a little too oedipusy but oedipus-y. men with daddy issues <laughs> yes <laughs> depending what the said daddy issue is i could get behind it because it, it, it infers that there's a lot of introspection and like unpacking of oneself between like like within the patriarchy and i'm like that's sexy am i am i sick yeah (laughs) freud would have loved you i know (laughs) um um anyway (laughs) (laughs) somebody clip that (laughs) freud would have loved you uh and yeah so he takes her to his cave and then he decides to like give her a bath because you know she's nasty and gross and and he uh, he explores her body a little bit not in like <laughs> too much 
of a of a yep of a weird way. Uh, but he does watch her and undresses her and then leaves her like naked under the covers. And then he decides he needs to go hunt because you know she's going to be hungry when she wakes up. So. Liv wakes up angry. We're back in her POV. Rahash um, comes back and she uh, she resonates for him like immediately when he walks in the cave. And she's like, oh, fuck, no, no, no. And is like trying to beat him up and like scratching him. And she's like trying to get the, the cooey out because she didn't want it. Cause, because she was a hunter, she knows like what parasites do to animals and like how you're not supposed to eat that meat. So she was freaking out. Um, and because she's freaking out, Rahash ties her up, like puts her um, hands behind her back um, while she's like trying to fight back. And he feeds her. Uh, it's, again, she's not happy. She's like, I'm just like, I'm not his little wife. I'm not his little cave thing. Uh, and she falls asleep and wakes up again later. This time, not tied up. She's alone. And then she gets a little horny <laughs> thinking of hush uh and then in the next chapter we get our first little uh no wait no yeah in chapter six um we get our first little sex scene and it was it was hot <laughs> lauren what did you think of it i y'all y'all know me you know that i am a slow burn girly I require a certain amount of setup in my enemies to lovers story. Do I, in isolation, was the scene well-written and hot? Agreed. I actually enjoyed the scene. However, if I, if I had to apply a little bit of my, my fan fiction devious critique, I think for me, while it works logistically within the confines of the world building we have for like the cooey and how it literally makes you so horny that you can't even breathe type mentality. It was so jarring in a sense to literally the last chapter be like, I hate him. I hate him. He has kidnapped me. There is no there is no autonomy in this process. This is not how human made it works. And the next chapter being like, I don't care that he's here. I'm going to look him in the eye and flick the bean like <laughs> that was crazy. And I feel like I get it. The cooey, the cooey sensations, the spiders be tingling, right? I get it. <laughs> I, I would like to think if I if I I would like to think I would have a little more willpower. And maybe that's just me being like, I'm not built like other girls. <laughs> I think I think I'd be able to hold out a little bit longer. Yeah, I just but I don't know. Oh sorry, I was gonna ask you, Sid. Yeah, I was going to turn around and ask you, do you think you would have folded this early if you had a coolie and resonated with someone that you disliked? I mean, if if the scene played out, then yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So for context, listeners, um, Rahash comes back uh, and hears noises from the cave. So he like thinks it's an animal or something. Turns out it's Liz pleasuring herself and he's like oh so she doesn't want to mate but she's gonna like do that to like get some relief well she won't let me touch her well i'm gonna touch myself uh and they basically have a duo masturbation session 
And here's the line that got me. Um, it is, watch me. I silently um, command to her, watch me touch myself at the sight of you. And I was, I literally like did this little silent scream. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, that is hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. I think, again, I'm still a little bit stuck on how fast it happened. But at the same time, this is erotica. It is not advertised as a slow burn. I'm trying to I'm trying to I'm trying to dig myself out of this perpetual hole that I have landed myself in, in which the only way that makes me like tickle my little toes is enemies to lover slow burn. I'm trying to branch out. Tickle my little toes. Okay. Okay. Try to branch out. Tickle your little toes. Uh, but yeah, um, I don't remember when the erotica happened in the first book, but I feel like it happened around the fr- around this chapter. Um, and I am also usually a slow burn girly, but the way that erotica was written, damn. <laughs> no, it's erotica. It was, the sex scenes in this book are good, are well written. I will say that they are the so good. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Um. It's so, Remy Dixon with partner. If so, lucky girl. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, lucky man. <laughs> <laughs> she True. comes up with an idea and she's like, okay, we're going to go test this out. <laughs> Good for her. You know what? Yeah. We stand. Uh, but yeah, uh, chapter seven, we get some one-sided banner just coming from Liz uh, kind of talking and Rahash not speaking and she's like talking to him and then she realizes he's going to go on a hunt and she wants to go because she hunted with her dad a lot when uh when he was alive in Oklahoma and I what I like this is when I started to like Liz a little bit more and I think it's because she just actually has some agency like she wants to go do things and she's not like absolutely helpless you know um yes and she's not allowing his bullshit to like get in her way because he decides to leave her there to sit and she's not happy about it um and i really like that instead of just a little a little lady just sitting at the cave waiting for her barbarian husband to come back you know like georgie um (laughs) exactly exactly um I also wrote down, um, I didn't understand why she got so pissed at him, like, saying, like, she wants to go hunt, um, only because she, at this point, does not think he can understand her. Yes, I, I had a few qualms with this, like, perceived language barrier that we were under for a while, in that... One, it felt weird that she was like speaking at him this whole time. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I didn't personally love it. It also was like not even just like logistically of like that being just kind of like demeaning and insulting and uh, presuming ignorance on his behalf, but also because like yeah. certain lines, Pretty I just feel thing. like, <laughs> yeah, I feel like even certain lines of like, I can't remember the exact quote, but at one point she's basically like being like, I'm deceiving you, you big dumb alien, like looking him in the eye as she's saying yeah. that. I'm like, even if you don't think he can understand you, what is the point of saying that out loud? Like, there's genuinely no point unless it is to demean his intelligence. 
And that was where yeah. I had issue with that. But yes, practically speaking as well, this also was like, why are you pissed at this? Like, yeah, Liz is space racist throughout quite a bit of this first part of the book. Um, I did not love Liz in the first like half. She grew on me kind of as we went. Um, yeah. Except I lost her a little bit more at the end, but that's just me. Anyway. Um, oh, tea. <laughs> Uh, so chapter, so kind of chapter eight through 10, we can go in quick succession because literally nothing happens. Um, but, uh, Rahosh, I'm going to keep saying Rahosh and I'm going to try and keep correcting myself to Rahosh. I'm so sorry, everybody. It's okay. Um, The audiobook reader said rash. So like, I don't think you can get worse than that. (laughs) Okay. Remind me at the end of this episode or at the end of the second one to ask you about your audio experience because I read the book um, and I know you listen. So I think that'd be something fun to talk about. Sounds good. Anyway, uh, he goes hunting and he feeds Liz by hand and it's bonding. Uh, So they're like, I I actually wrote down uh, and I was like, it's giving Taming of the Shrew. If you do not know, that is a uh, a Shakespearean play about a man who actively, quote unquote, tames like this, this woman to be like the perfect wife and no one wants to marry her and they marry her off because they want her younger sister, but they couldn't until like after she was married anyway. um, But yeah, it was giving kind of that a little bit. Anyway, Uh um, and in nine and 10, Liz kind of plans an escape because obviously she's still like this dude just kidnapped me like i i don't know what to do and rahash uh can kind of sense it um that she's wanting to leave and she decides to leave the cave to like go get stuff to make a bow and he follows her outside and now we're going into chapter 11 uh, and honestly, this is kind of a repeat scene from the first book where uh, she stumbles upon like the fish in the hot in the hot hot water with like the pole things. Um, mm-hmm. And she goes over there to like grab the the thing. The fish kind of jumps out, and Rahash saves her ass and kills it. Um, but while this is happening. She gets horny again, and he eats her out. Um, another very, very sexy scene. Very good erotica. I think. And after- if I can, if I can jump in real quick, I think. Yeah. The transition from like them arguing out in the snow and her being like, "Oh, like you know, why are you like stalking me?" And like you know, I wasn't gonna run away, and like blah blah. blah. Like they're having a full blown disagreement. In the snow. And then, yeah. like, he gets close enough to, like, help her up. And she just, without even, like, thinking about it, just, like, pulls him in to, like, make out just with pounces. him. Just I pounces. will say, I almost enjoyed the prelude to the, to the, the cunnilingus, like, yeah. more. Because it was actually so sweet. Because clearly, like, Rahash has never kissed anyone before. And, like, despite mm-hmm. Liz's, like presumed ignorance of him and like not really consciously liking him she still recognizes that this is like an important and like vulnerable moment for him and like 
treats it with grace. Actually, I was very, I was very impressed. Like she didn't immediately recoil and be like, oh my God, he's a bad kisser. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. It was really sweet. She like almost sort of like behaviorally taught him how to kiss and like still like coached him through it in a way that didn't feel demeaning. And I was like, I'm impressed. You space racist. I'm impressed. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was pretty surprised too. Like I, I enjoyed that as well. Um, I will say she was giving mixed signals because she kept saying like, don't do this. Don't do that. Which you really eat eat me out, please. Um, (laughs) is Mm -hmm. that going to be clipped? I just know it. Oh, well, um, yep. Anyway, she comes and then he says a word he says mine and she's like what <laughs> mm-hmm. what do you mean and this is when uh liz finds out that rahash has been able to speak english this entire time um so yeah so she's mad because she feels like he lied to her he does bring up the point that, that he's like, well, you never did ask. And she's like, fair enough. But at the same time, I would be a little mad too if I didn't know someone could speak the language I was speaking this entire time and understood everything I said. But she was also being a dick the whole time. So I felt like she was more yeah. mad at her being a dick yes. than lying. I was, ex- I was right about to say that. Like, I don't think I would have been offended in this case if I hadn't been a jerk the whole time, because I think it's like more about the defensiveness of like, oh, oh my God, he just like, let me say all those things. And like, knows what I've been saying. If I feel like if I was saying like very mundane, ordinary things, I wouldn't, I would be surprised. And maybe like a little bit injured of like, oh, well, clearly he didn't trust me enough to, to say this or blah, blah, blah. I don't think I'd be pissed. I was like, girl, you're a bully. Yeah. Oh, no, she it. was projecting. <laughs> she was projecting hardcore. I will say what I liked about this chapter is she does say to him, because they're having this conversation about, he's like, well, you resonated to your mind and your mind mate. And she's like, I just want to feel like I have control over something. Like, yeah. And she takes it back to, she goes, I was literally kidnapped from like, because of my vagina because by the gray aliens and now i'm on this planet and now you're wanting me and like i just want to have some sense of control i want to do something i want to feel like i'm in control of this situation a little bit and i'm like you know what fair enough i understand some of her hesitance now i i didn't think about it that way um i i love that aspect of this book as well because and you know obviously (laughs) correct me if i'm wrong any of you but like i don't remember that conversation really happening in the first book. And I think when I jokingly call Georgie a damp dish rag, this is kind of what I refer to of like, she just so yeah. willingly and quickly adapted to this massive culture shock. Like even in the first scene where her and Vectal, like when Vectal literally is like eating her out while she's asleep and like unconscious. Yeah. When he wakes she, her like, up eating her out. Yeah. She so quickly is fine with it because it was good. And I'm like, and I understand that the first book was probably more about like setting up the world and more about like, oh, we got to get through X, Y, and Z. So having someone that does require a little more agency and autonomy would complicate things and drag it out more. But at the same time, this was refreshing to me because I feel like it felt more of a realistic interaction. Because, you know, I want realism in my alien space porn. You know, well, I, I want it to be accurate. Real world implications. <laughs> 
of course, of course. Uh, I mean, I think there was a way that you could have a character that has more um, agency without giving up like the need for like explanation because obviously she needed explanation and things you know Um, but like giving her a little bit of a fight for her to be like hey what the fuck did you just do yeah Um, because then he can explain it and then she and then she'd be like oh okay i understand now yes and instead she's Um, so quick even in this book which i won't go into because we're saving this for the next part but even in this book georgie's so like well I don't agree with it, but like it's the way things are done, and because I'm a damp dishcloth, I'm just gonna let it be the way that things are done. (laughs) My girl, stop. And again, that's why I don't understand why she's the leader of the women, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, she's no leader. Honestly, Liz is more of a leader, leader or Kira. Yeah, exactly. I'm saying like Kira. Ten times more interesting. I know, I know. And Kira in particular is written as like the businessy sensible one. Like, shouldn't she be the one calling the shots? Like And she was the one who had the earpiece too, but I guess she was afraid. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so now into chapter thirteen. Um, so funny enough, I looked at it and I can believe this is one of the longest chapters that was in this book, um, because it was twenty pages and on average, we were going in between four to five. Um, Amazing. So, yeah. Um, but here, this is where I'm calling it the Georgie effect. Um, it's when we kind of lose some of the tension because they uh, yes. forgive too easily. Yes. Um, so we're back yes. in Mrs. POV. And she's like, oh... Well, I've been a dick. I haven't been very nice. And like, maybe like I didn't ask if he could speak English. And like, I only assumed and I've been cranky. And I'm like, so I wrote down like a little bit of tension is nice. Like, it's okay to have tension in a book because then it can like lead to growth and like they can talk. So I hated that we were just kind of getting this. Uh, we were just getting this um, I don't know she just kind of forgave him too quickly you know yeah I had similar feelings Um, Uh this was the first time it came up I think I mean I've already emphasized my treacherous love for slow burns but even in books that are not slow burns like this one I think I think it is still painted as like an enemies to lovers adjacent book. And I think when to, in order to execute that, it's going to lose its not authenticity. What's the word appeal? I think appeal is the word I'm looking for when they do forgive each other too quickly and without real reason. Like, it's not like they went through an actual like harrowing event that would have like sparked rapid change or like, you know, I just, I felt, you're so right. It that felt like a, we have this. Yeah, it felt like we just had this one fleeting remark and that it changed my whole worldview of this person also because I'm horny. And I'm like, I get it. We want to, this is a smut yeah. book. We want to get to the sex, but like, I, don't, I wish it yeah, had been done more seamlessly. It, I, I would have liked it if the forgiveness and thinking on lit, on Liz's part came from having a conversation with Rahash. Um, 
I don't know how that would have been accomplished in like this part of the book, but that's like my main critique here. Um, mm-hmm. And I kept saying that Liz is a space racist because she kept mentioning cooties. She kept mentioning like he was ignorant and just couldn't understand her yada yada and so forth. Um, and this is when Rahash opens up a bit about how he has been alone this whole time. Um, that he hasn't had a lover, he hasn't had a mate or anything, and how he has nothing. So for him to resonate with her is like a big deal for him. Um, and she's like, ah, shit. <laughs> I've been a dick. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like she mentions how she's like, well, I and he's like, well, we just have to, we have to mate. We have to have sex. And she's like, I don't want to. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Fair that you don't want to have sex because you did get kidnapped twice now. Um, but then she like kind of forgives him again. I'm just like, it's giving Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, it's giving plot convenience. <laughs> yeah, very much plot convenience. Um, yeah. Anyway, and so then they get into um, they make a deal, and. Rahash basically agrees that Liz can come and hunt with him if they lay together like mates. We don't know 100%. We know what that means later on. Um, Oh, I got it. Sorry. (laughs) I know. I know. She brings it up, remember? She gets gets mad at him. She's like the blackmailing way. I got feelings about this chapter, but go on. <laughs> no, you can go ahead. You're obviously oh, no, cheated. No. no, we'll get there. You keep going. Okay, I'm going to take a drag of so my mad. imaginary cigarette. <laughs> I was about to say, you guys are so mad. You apparently put on 20 years of smoking. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so she makes a bow and some arrows for herself for tomorrow. It's late, and they like go to bed, and um, they start doing a little bit of hanky panky um and he we do more come uh, and then she decides to reciprocate and give him a blowjob um and yep i'm trying to think of anything else i really can't think of anything oh, else no. significant oh i got you oh i got you oh, okay i okay all right so this chapter, this chapter is the one that I, it was the whole reason my rating bumped down half a star single-handedly because here wow, is why. okay. Here is rye. Rye? Here's rye? Here is rye bread. <laughs> the catching in the rye. Catch these hands. I think, I think, okay, okay, let me... Let me parse through my anger. So Rahash says the line, I want to lay together as mates. Liz's immediate assumption is to have sex. And she's immediately about to be like, oh, that's not going to happen. You know, and then he quickly clarifies of like, I didn't mean I mean, he doesn't say it verbatim, but he's like, I, I didn't mean sex. I just meant like, let's let's sleep next to each other, you know. And when I read that. 
I was like, oh, that's really tender. And even Liz has a moment where she's like, oh, my God, I feel like such a dick because I immediately assumed that he was gunning for sex. Tell me why the second they lay together, it becomes sexual. And it's funny because we talked about this. Yeah. My thing is, like, we talked about this earlier of, like, while I wasn't bothered by, like, the mentions of like what the green men did to these women at like this is actually what hit a nerve for me because for me it's like you can lay together like if you if you establish this premise and this is okay i want to also backtrack this is not to imply that any like consent was broken here but for me it's Mm -hmm. like super important as someone that's like seeks a lot of value and romantic connection without the inherent attachment of sex and we've already se- we've already had some spicy scenes up to this point i don't think it it would have meant so much more to me just like personally if this scene truly did not have sex involved because yeah. i think when you set it up as like oh like i just want to be mates and there's this clear like oh moment of like yeah we can do this like we do have that love for each other and then you immediately turn it sexual, it lost me a bit. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. okay. Like, I was like, I mean, it was a nice scene. Don't I get me wrong. I thought, I thought the scene itself was like steamy, but to me, it would have been so much more appealing if they had just laid together. And like, I don't think that missing yeah. that one sex scene would have detracted from the overall steaminess of this book. Honestly, they, they fucked so many more times after this. Like, I don't even remember what happens in this scene. You know, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's just my job. personal. Oh, and we also and we also get uh, the blue balls joke. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. We can do that in the morning. It is, you know, very low hanging fruit. <laughs> Indeed, but yeah, that's just my take. You know, and just yeah. y'all know, you know longtime listeners know that I'm a big advocate <laughs> of like a healthy balance of like sending message that love is not all all sex. You know, that's just me. That's just yeah. yeah, I get it. I get it. And maybe that would have made definitely like helped a little bit later on when we get like more love confessions because later on in the book yeah. we get the obvious love confessions and everything. And I'm like, I didn't even know you liked him that much. Um, yes. So that I think would have helped, or like maybe breaking it up so like they do go to bed and they're just cuddling and then yes. I'm like, ooh. Oh, he's soft and sensitive. Oh, he just became 10 times more attractive. And then maybe breaking it up to like the sex scene that happens in this chapter. Maybe like she wakes up in the middle of the night and she feels the direction. And then she's just like, hello. (laughs) Hard agree. No pun intended. Hard agree. Like, (laughs) I think a morning, like after they wake up in the morning, like that would have been great. Like I I would have been totally fine with that. But no. As soon as you hit the sack and you see boobies, you're like, oh, I can't. I have to. I have to. I have to motorboat. I have to mate. I'm like, man. <laughs> man, you set the president. Yeah. Um, so chapter 14 to 15, again, we can kind of just uh, bring into two parts together. Um, and this is also right before the beginning of part three um so rahash wakes up and remembers last night and he gets hard again because he's like hell yeah i want to do that again um and he wakes up liz and they go on their hunt um liz talks to um rahash about her dad and human hunting techniques 
Um, and then we ca- and then again we get a repeat scene from the first book with the what are they called? I call them the monkey things. Um, we also get another Star Wars reference about an Ewok. Yeah, um, yeah, they're called. Appears. They're called Metlax, M-E-T-L-A-K-S, Metlax. I believe. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but they get cornered by like Metlax because they're looking over this like little cliff area into this valley, and um, there was like some prey there. But then this baby Metlax like shows up right next to Liz, um, and Rahash tells her to run uh, when he tells her to, and. That is the end of part two. Um, I believe, are we ending there or do we have one more part before the end of this episode? No, that's it. All right. Well, we will leave you with that cliffhanger, listeners. Will the uh, literally. live to fuck again? <laughs> literally. Guess it. Literally, it's a, it's a legit cliffhanger. It is a legit like, cliffhanger. Yeah. Will they live to fuck again? Will we get more Star Wars references that are unneeded? Will we ever find out if Georgie gets more or less annoying? Tune in next week. (laughs) Same fat time, same fat place. Hey guys. It's me. Your producer. I have questions. Yes. Fire away. How do you feel about the trope of virginity in this book being flipped? So instead of Liz being the virgin, Rahasha's. You go first. It's complicated for me personally. Because virginity is a concept made up by by a society. <laughs> society. Um, yeah. Society. We live in a society. <laughs> but, like, virginity in women is just more stigmatized because it's, like, the quote-unquote, like, I hate to say it this way, but, like, the freshness seal or your... Um, <laughs> Ashlyn is literally throwing up. Um, <laughs> or, like, your purity... You're supposed yeah. to save it from one husband. Um, so when it's a man, it doesn't gross me out as much. I, I'm still not in love with the I'm your first and only trope. Um, but I'm less bothered when it comes to a man. But that is because virginity is more created to confine women so that's like i didn't like it didn't bother me per se but it's like not my favorite Hmm. i was actually gonna say a very similar thing are we resonating tonight are we <laughs> you know uh, I, yeah i was gonna say, <laughs> per i was <laughs> i was gonna say the same thing i i think overall as a trope fixating on virginity for either partner does not appeal to me for the same reasons that Sydney just explained. However, if it's going to be in a book, I would much prefer it be attached to if it's a heteronormative relationship, uh, the male partner. Um, 
in this case specifically, there were moments, particularly in the second half, actually, the first part didn't bother me as much. The second half where I like ticked an eyebrow a bit, you know, because I'd read comments about Rahash being a little like I think it was a lot of like infantilization at times. Not not quite, but. You know, there were some like dialogues around like, oh, he doesn't know how to how to love and he doesn't have these experiences mm-hmm. and therefore he's a sweet little innocent thing. And I'm like, well, he does he's, gut he's not. wild animals. <laughs> yeah, like, I, don't, I don't know if that's what he I would He is a literal warrior and he does talk about how his dick is bigger than everybody else's. Exactly. I, I think he's doing fine, sweetie, you know, but. I will say though I wasn't bothered by it as much as I expected to be. So I don't think this story was egregious in its handling of this trope. But who knows? If the if the tables were turned yeah. and it was Liv or sorry, Liz, now I'm doing it. Liz. I'm who, sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay. If it was Liz who who, you know, happened to to define herself as a virgin coming into this, I would be very curious to see how that would have been handled. But the world may never yeah. know. I think on top of it too, what changes it is that in the Sakui, um, like societal system, it doesn't seem like there is necessarily a shame around not having a partner because there are so many, like there's not as many, not as many women. Um, so only so few can have sexual experiences. So I think that also changes up the context of him good not point. having had experience before. That's a very good point. There's not this like fixation on his virginity because of that, at least from anyone outside of Liz. And even mm-hmm. with her, it doesn't feel quite like a fixation. Um, so yeah, she's like, Oh, so he, he, it's just because there's, he, there's not a lot of women to go around so he just wasn't one of the lucky ones who had a lover or ha- has had a mate yes. before. You know what? The last thing I'll say on this, I, I just remembered, you know what would have made it bad for me is if Liz had made a comment at any point being like, I'm glad to have been his first and only or like, I want to be his first. Yeah. Because that to me is where we start dipping into that like purity culture concept that yeah, like would make me uncomfortable. When you got grossed out with the mister. Oh. <laughs> Do you Don't remind now? me. I'm sorry. I'm Don't remind about. me. I, I hate to <laughs> <call> you more. <laughs> I therapy for that book alone. Okay. Whose POV do you like better? Rosh. <laughs> sorry, I was so quick. I, I'll also say Rahash, um, but that's just because Liv's internal dialogue can be annoying, and I hated her mentioning the cootie thing. God, yes. Yeah. I I didn't even love, I will say for me, there were times when I preferred Liz's, and that was in the second half when Rahash, without spoiling too much, starts getting really deep in his like insecurities of like, I'm unlovable, I'm anxious about her well-being, blah 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 because that did get a little old after a while and like as someone that would hate having a partner personally that had those insecurities like 24 7 i don't think it was not appealing to me i would grow so weary of it but for the most part and especially in part one yes rahash was was better to read for me yeah i'll definitely agree with that uh because 
Rahash. I, I liked knowing what he was internally thinking. And I guess I yes. just like Sukui men because it just they are they are dream men. Like they actually care about their partners and yes. their sexual well being. To the to such a degree that they would whisk them away to caves. You yeah. know. At this point, are you rooting for them? Okay, at this point, no. And literally the next couple chapters, yes. Interesting. Um, Why do you say that? Because they still haven't talked. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like, they haven't, like at this point... Rahash has been the only one that's kind of shown any development in like understanding that Liz needs a look like needs some control and needs something to do and that she's not just gonna be a good little cave wife. Um and but Liz is just now starting to be like, okay, he's not as ignorant or bad or whatever. Um, than I thought he was. But literally in the next couple chapters, I would have said yes. But as of like this, like where we're at at this point, it just kind of feels like another, a little bit of a ripoff of like Georgie and Bechtel, um, a little bit. Intriguing. I would actually, I was actually going to say yes, that I was rooting for them at this point. My reasons are a little less thought out, I think, and superficial. Like, I, my mind feel very like superficial in the sense of I think from from jump I did recognize that they would eventually be good together simply because of like the yeah. whole Rahash has always felt like an outcast he's a hunter never really like no one has viewed him as attractive at least in his eyes and you know he's like stubborn I obviously like Liz mirrors a lot of those qualities and we've read so many opposites attract stories on this podcast that it was actually kind of interesting to see in enemies to lovers where they were kind of the same person or at least very similar True. and I was very intrigued True. by that and I was like wow I actually can sense how they would be really compatible eventually and I think that was the main driving force behind my my rooting for them and I will not lie after the the last steamy scene that they had together I audibly put I put the book down and I and I just like said to no one out loud I was like just fuck already <laughs> so yeah <laughs> yes, <I was. laughs> okay okay usually I, I'm the stickler but you're the stickler but Listen, okay. I've been negative nice Nelly this whole podcast so far. Um, I got to be nice at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Me? No more questions? All Aww. right. Well, I know. It's sad. But and hey. When Ashlyn talks dirty to us. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> And with that, we are going to close the episode here, folks. Thank you for listening to part one of Barbarian Alien by Ruby Dixon. Um, Come join us uh, for the next installment, which will be part two, where we'll go over the rest of the book and our last reviews. Uh, You can go follow us on uh, Instagram, YouTube, uh, Twitch, um, 
And you can listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts, except remember, folks, but Google Podcasts is going away, so you won't be able to listen to us there anymore. But you can find us uh, possibly on YouTube Music. We'll figure it out. Um, but yeah, go follow us on our socials. And with that, we will say good night to you. Got one. Lauren's got one. Go ahead, Lauren. Good night to all of you kinky cooies. <laughs> Join us in two weeks for our next episode of Barbarian Alien by Ruby Dixon, where we will discuss our final thoughts on the book. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Raunchy Power Hour. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at the RPH Podcast. Send us book recs to our email, raunchypowerhour at gmail.com, or at the link in our bio on any of our socials. As always, stay raunchy. Stay raunchy.